Gang, we all know that a premium Spotify subscription gives you access to millions of songs and thousands of podcasts. But did you know that a premium Spotify subscription also gets you access to tons of audiobooks for free? It does, gang. Listen to great books like Storyteller, the Dave Grohl memoir, or Life by Keith Richards, or The Woman and Me by Britney Spears. Listen, there's all kinds of books on there. There's fiction, nonfiction, self-help, anything you're looking for, man, they got it, and you can listen to it for free. Just go to Spotify.com or download Spotify from your app store and start listening today. That's Spotify. Millions of songs, thousands of podcasts, and now audiobooks. Available with your premium subscription. Spotify.com. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. Johnny, I'm your host. Welcome to the show. I hope you guys all had a good weekend, whatever it is you did this weekend. I had a really good weekend, gang. I had this gig in Houston on Sunday at Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge, which I'll tell you about in just a second. But uh, it was my cousin's birthday on Thursday, so I decided to go in on Thursday, hang out for the weekend with my grandma and my aunts and, uh, and my cousin. And it was great. We celebrated her birthday on Thursday. We hung out Friday and Saturday. We built some fires outside because it was cool and windy. And uh, that was really nice. My grandma's doing all right, man. You know, she's just old. There's, there's, uh, it's sad because, you know, she can't really engage in conversation like she used to. It's all has to be very kind of basic, you know, because she's older. She doesn't hear as well. She doesn't remember, you know, she'll ask you a question. You'll tell her the whole thing and, and, and like a couple minutes will go by and she'll be like, so, let me ask you this, and it'll be kind of, you know what I mean? Like she's 100. So, uh, but it was nice to be with her, you know, and spend time with her. One day she wasn't feeling very well, and that was kind of sad, man. She she went down hard, you know. Once you're already not feeling well because you're 100 years old, and then you get sick on top of it, that was a little rough, and I felt bad for her, man. But, you know, she's still hanging in there. She's still hanging tough. And every time, you know, we think like, oh, shit, you know, she's this might be it. She just, you know, bounces back in this amazing way i mean you know one day she's going to shock us and she's not but you know as of now she's she's hanging in there which is great it's nice to have a grandma someone you can spend time with my aunt christina got this dog that's so cute she's just a few months old his name's riley yeah so so cute oh my god uh and so playful and has the cutest face i've seen in a long time rosie was great too this weekend she didn't fight with any of the dogs she was great. She was great. She does, uh, you know, there, my grandma gives the dogs food when no one's looking. So whenever there's food out, she really starts climbing on people and getting a little weird. So that's a little tough. But otherwise, she was doing great the whole time. And it was just nice to spend time with family. So then Sunday night, I headed over to Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge to play a gig over there with my friends Anna Lamare and uh, my new friend Kim and her musical art project, her performance art music project, called uh, Stunt Driver. Um, it was great, man. I had a great time. From the second I got there to sound check, it was great to be in Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge. If you live in Austin, or live in Houston, sorry, it's part of the Continental Club. It's it's a, like their smaller room. And uh, it's in between, the. Uh, there's a taco place in between uh, the Continental Club and Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge. So uh, it's amazingly photogenic, this place. It's beautiful. It, it has all these clown pictures. It looks like a big top lounge. Just, it looks exactly what it's described as. And, uh, and we got there to sound check and, and went and had some tacos with uh, Kim from Stunt Driver and, and Anna Lamare. And then 
uh, some really great friends showed up too, man. It wasn't hugely attended the show, but the people that showed up are really awesome, man. My friend Jim and Jennifer seems like they brought some friends and that was great to see my dear friend, Craig, my best friend from junior high. He was there. It was great hanging out with him. This lady, Jamie, and her husband, Brian, who are super nice, and Jamie's husband, June, and her husband, Shane, who's really nice, and their friend, Kelly, they all came out. Man, they listened to the podcast. They were talking about it, and uh, and I just want to thank them for being so so lovely and supportive about everything. They were saying that they drove from Seattle to, to Houston and listened to the podcast all the way down there. So, man, thank you, guys. Also, sorry. That's pretty insane, man, having to listen to that much of me talking. <laughs> but I love them. I love them. It was great. Anna Lamari put on an amazing show. You can tell that she's been on the road. She had her whole thing together, man. Her songs sounded great. Uh, she she had the execution of them down, but also had this rhythm of of a show, of having an act. Like she had her stories in between the songs were together. She has the pacing all down. So that was really great to see. I, I've, I've really not seen many artists that... that uh, that come out of the gate and start doing this and grow so uh, so quickly. It's because of her devotion, man. She just dove right in. Anyway, you can hear it, uh, her episode is a few episodes back. I can't remember. It's like a, maybe a month or two ago it came out. Uh, Kim and Stunt Driver. Oh, my God. Okay, so this is some kind of performance art, experimental music project, rock and roll. Rock and roll. Like she paints her face. And she was like, at soundcheck, she's like, uh, she comes up to Anna and me. She's like, hey, do you guys mind coming up and wrapping me in cellophane plastic uh, during the first song? Just wrap my body in it. Well, you'll know because I'll pull it out and put it on my head. And so Anna and me did. We put on these masks, <laughs> like like Ninja Turtle masks, and went on stage for the first song and wrapped her in... Uh, <laughs> wrapped her in in cellophane fame plastic wrapped the bass she could hardly play she was like yeah do it man so she plays by herself the tracks with the bass and sings but also uh, puts the bass down and goes out and does all this stuff in the audience like uh like brought out all these sponges and asked everyone to clean themselves and to clean her and uh and she brought out this giant tunnel and and opened it up and had people crawl through it. Yes, I crawled through it. My friend Alan Hill, who is the manager over there at the Continental Club, crawled through it as well. <laughs> it was Anna Lamar who crawled through it. Everybody crawled through it. <laughs> it was insanity, man. And her energy is insane. I'm getting her on the podcast. It's going to be great. You guys will hear it. Stunt Driver. Go out there and check her out. If there's videos, you'll see what I'm talking about, man. She is insane. But she is absolutely fabulous, amazingly talented, and so, such a great hang. It was great hanging out with her before the show, too. Anyway, that was my weekend. It was a crazy great weekend, and I'm really glad I went to Houston. I'm glad I got to spend time with my family, and I'm really glad I did that show at Shoeshine Charlie's Big Top Lounge. I'm telling you, if you live in Houston you've not been there, get out there and check it out, okay? Uh, gang, I have an amazing show for you guys today. Simon Tam and Joe X from the band The Slants are my guest on the show today. Now, The Slants have just put out their final album. It's called The Band Plays On. And this album is absolutely fantastic. It's out now. It's available on all the streaming services, also available on vinyl. This is their uh, last full-length album, and uh, it features the band's normal, danceable synth pop. And uh, and it's a mixture of old songs and new songs. But unlike prior Slants album, The Band Plays On features a guest performer on each track, including a guest vocalist on almost every track. And, uh, and these, all of these guests are comprised of, of, of prominent as well as up-and-coming artists from the Asian-American community. Uh, the Band Plays On is a fucking great album, man. It is really great. It's a celebration of who they have been this whole time. And it actually features a couple of people I know. Uh, there's a song called Life Goes On, which features this guy, Johnny Hi-Fi, who I did some kind of recording with. I'm trying to figure it out if it was a demo or an EP in my home studio 20 years ago or so. Uh, Johnny Hi-Fi, if you're listening, reach out. Let me know if that's true. Also, a guest from episode 987, which came out in November of 2020, this artist named Bao. Now, he fe he's featured on the very first song, the title track, The Band Plays On, which I'll play for you guys in this, in this episode. Uh, he's, he's on this album too. Anyway, this album's great. It's a great celebration of who they are and who they've been. If you're wondering what they're going to do now, they are going on as slanted stories and songs doing these performance shows featuring Simon Tan 
and uh, and the slants. And they're actually performing in Texas on Thursday, February 1st. They'll be at University of Texas at Dallas. Go to the slants.com for all of that information. So anyway, they, they, they did their thing in Portland, Oregon. That's where they're based out of. And uh, and they've been doing this thing for years and they decided to call it quits. But there's so much to their story. So much. Uh, they actually won a case in the Supreme Court. In 2017, Mattel versus Tam, uh, the Slants took on the Supreme Court to trademark their name. Now, what they were trying to do was trademark their name, but since it was called the Slants and it was an offensive term, the United States Trademark Office kicked back and ended up suing them. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, but in a unanimous ruling, eight to zero, the Supreme Court decided that the federal law prohibiting trademark names that disparage others was unconstitutional because speech may not be banned on the grounds that it expresses ideas that offend. So they got to use their name and they got to go on doing it. So the slants go on, man. What an exciting story. I don't think I've had any Supreme Court case winning artists on my show in all these 1300 episodes. Anyway, they're working on a musical about their journey. They just scored a short film. And as I said, they're out doing uh, slanted stories and songs with Simon Tam and the slants. And uh, we have a really great conversation about their journey and about what they're going on to next and about the record, The The Band Plays On, which you will hear the title track, The Band Plays On, featuring former How Did I Get Here artist Bow on this. All right. So without further ado, here's Simon Tam and Joe X from The Slants. Let's get down. Darkness settled under a moonlit sky. All feelings long gone are stirred inside. As a young boy playing in the street, without limits, I thought I was free. It's great to meet you guys. And uh, I've been, I spent the last couple days going through your body of work, but uh, mostly like the band plays on, which is a fantastic record. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Before I, before I ask you guys some crucial questions, I actually had bow on the show back in 2020. Small world. Yeah, small world. It was episode 987. We'll check out how small, how much smaller it gets. Johnny Hi-Fi, I produced something. I can't remember. I was racking my brain trying to think of what it was because it was over. It must have been like 20 years ago or something. I recorded wow. either an EP <laughs> or a demo or something, but I remember spending a couple of days with Johnny Hi-Fi in my little home studio working on uh, on some tunes for him. Was this when um, Eric was out in Los Angeles or when he was in the Bay Area? It was He was here in Austin. I mean, I can't remember. Was he from there and he came oh, here to record with me? That would be weird. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. He's kind of been all over the place. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, you guys, this record the band plays on is, is really, really fantastic. And... Uh, the difference between this record and and uh, and your other ones is that almost every song is a collaboration with 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 other people or someone else, mostly a vocalist or something. Um, which uh, at first I was like, "That's such an uh, an odd way to go out." But then when I started uh, reading about the Slants Foundation, it made a lot of sense. Do you want to? When do you guys want to start talking about like? Uh, first of all, why are you ending the slants? <laughs> I, so I, I can speak to that. I I wouldn't necessarily say we're ending the slants. I would say it's more like the slant is evolving. Uh, I mean, it, it's ended as in terms of like a traditional band, I would say a few years ago when we decided to just call it quits from touring as a rock and roll band and really wanting to focus our energy and our attention on our community through the nonprofit that we started. And so uh, at that point on, it was like the stuff we were creating was mostly in service of this greater idea of like 
uh, empowering our community, lifting up voices and, and doing all the stuff that we we're really passionate about and, and kind of being for other artists, what we wish we had when we were coming up. And so uh, the band plays on was kind of like in, in line with that, both this idea of like, hey, here's an opportunity to lift up some of these other artists, but also as a way to kind of control our story using our art. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, uh, so in line with this Lance Foundation, that's that's what made you think of kind of doing this record in that fashion. In many ways, yeah. I mean, honestly, the the record kind of came together by accident. Like Joe and I were working on another project, like writing a Broadway musical show about the band, and in that process, we started writing more and more personal songs and, and things that we just started building up this catalog for and then realizing, Hey, this isn't necessarily like for a musical, but uh, in the process of like telling our stories and writing these songs, we thought this would be a really kind of a interesting, like concept album. If you would like, like here's an album that like kind of has that final word tells the story of the band, but, then we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did it through the voices of this other generation of these other artists that we've been working with through our foundation or the people who we've been meeting over the years on the road and, and, and by doing this work. And so it, it was kind of like this, the, the best accident that could have ever happened because it ended up being this album that we're immensely proud of. I mean, I think, I think of it as like, this is like my life's work. This is this yeah, a, a really great completion of, of that story and expressing all the things I wish we would have been able to say through our art in the very beginning. Yeah. And it's interesting musically that you guys teeter, like really teeter between like, you know, rock and roll and dance music. Like it does go between like distorted guitars and then the next song's like a drum machine with like a cool synth line. It's all that stuff that I feel like, like, uh, is it like pre grunge music that really influenced you or are you younger than that, that, that it was, uh, it was kind of like the killers and their generation that sort of embodied that same kind of ethos. We're definitely not pre-grunge younger than that. We're definitely older than that as okay. people. I think 80s music is a huge influence on both of our sounds. So actually, I didn't really discover 80s music until after I moved to the U.S. in the 90s. So I'm I'm relatively younger because I came from a foreign country. What, but um, I think... Do you mind... To, what country was it, Joe? Oh, I was born in China. I was born and raised in China. So when I moved here, it was in the 90s. And so I had basically missed grunge or at least, you know, the, the young immigrant version of me didn't understand rock music. So I was still <laughs> discovering like R and B and Michael Jackson at that time right? and catching up on some of that music. And later on when I really got into playing guitar and everything, I was like, Oh, I want to discover, you know, other genres of music. I got really into rock at that point. So I would say like, I think we definitely are influenced though by some of these, uh, bands that are resurgent from like the, the, the old, like the synth pop sound, sure. like 1975 was a really good reference point for us. Churches is there a really big yeah, yeah. reference point. So like we are influenced by them, but like Simon grew up with new order and I, I love like the cure and the eighties pop music too. Yeah. So those are two bands in, to in me, the album. Those are two bands to me that totally embody like there can be live drums, drum machine, synthesizer, guitars, whatever. Let's just go. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too because I think Simon, when he originally started the Slants, he was getting away from like that punk, like the punk room was trying to get a little more into the 80s pop music, uh, the style of music at least. And that first Slants album actually reflected that a little more than maybe the second and third album where, right. you know, some of the other members brought in more of like, you know, butt rock drumming and like heavy, heavy music, which was fun for the Slants. So when I started writing music to Simon, it was like, hey, let's bring some of that pop back. And yeah. that's the evolution that brought us to the band plays on, which is like, let's go all in on the pop. Let's all like, we'll have the elements. Like you said, we'll bring the electric guitars back. We'll have, you know, Aaron, the original singer come in and bring his punk energy. Well, let's go all pop because we can now have singers that can sing that style. We have producers like Val who can produce that style. Right. Yeah. Right. So what, what all did you guys write for them? Did you guys write tracks and they wrote, melodies and 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 lyrics or did you guys did you guys write the whole songs and 
Every we? song is a demo. Like every song was fully demoed um, yeah. with all the vocals kind okay. of built in. So like some of the songs I like one of the songs I wrote for uh, Aaron, the original singer, I basically did an impression of him when I wrote the the vocals for it. So I was like, this is exactly what Aaron would write at that moment. This is what he needs to sound like. So the demo was literally recorded with me pretending to be him. So when he came over, actually recorded at the house, it was like amazing. I was like, oh, this is it. This is the sound. This is what I was trying to capture. Obviously, I don't sound anything like Aaron. But hearing him do it in my like closet recording space, I was like, yes, nailed it. But yeah. Yeah. Like for us, we really wanted to, um, like we, we wanted to really think through the, the songs as, as like entire pieces and then think like, what are the voices? What are the instrumentalists that would could kind of align with that? And Joe and I, wrote all these songs and we actually had even more, uh, but we, we kind of distilled it down into these kind of core 14 tracks. And then I would say when we started working with bow and the production, it like brought in another element because like some of the songs were a lot longer and he really helped finesse that and, and really helped us really fine tune the, the expression of the songs as we were starting to approach all these artists of like, Hey, we really want to work with you. What do you think about this? Um, and then of course, different folks would come in and they would just bring in their own flavor with whatever they had. Um, because maybe they want to pronounce or, or maybe they want to sing a line in a slightly different way. And it was really cool to see, um, how all these songs we had been imagining for, for years and years, came to life in so many different ways every time it passed through somebody else's hands or voice. Yeah. It must have, uh, that's good. I'm, uh, the influences, I guess, then makes, every song makes more sense knowing that the people had their own say in the song, you know. Those are great songs, man. You guys really like, I mean, those are just really, there isn't like a shitty song on the record, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> It's hard to do. There's a lot of songs too, you know? Yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, I mean, maybe if we had more time and resources, it would have ended up being like a double album or something like that. But at the end of the day, you know, like many artists, we just had to make some decisions like what is the core concept and how could we make sure it all fits together? And, um, you know, Joe and I are just so grateful for working with Bao, who was able to actually pull together all these very disparate songs that kind of cross into different genres with very different voices and bring it into like one cohesive thought. Right. Because some of these are older songs too, and some of them are newer. Is that right? Yeah. Some of these songs were written when I, at least when I first joined the band back in 2016, and it just, for whatever reason, didn't work for those incarnations of the band. So then when we kind of got back together to writing these songs during the pandemic, we're like, Hey, some of these old songs kind of still works, but it'll be cool to hear it with a voice. That's maybe like someone younger, someone right. Like a lot of the singers, um, we definitely, the band's always had a male singer over, over the, the years. And some of these songs, I think required something a little more delicate, a little more smooth. And some of the best singers on the album were, where these ladies were incredible singers. So yeah. like they changed how those songs sound. Like if you listen to my demos of them originally, I'm like, Oh, that's garbage compared to what they, what they brought. Cause these are incredible singers. Yeah. I see you guys are doing some shows live. And in fact, I wrote this thing down cause you're playing at university of Texas at Dallas on Thursday, February 1st. Now that is, uh, slanted stories and songs with Simon Tan and the slants. What exactly is that show? So we did do a series of like full band shows, uh, kind of album release parties where we kind of reunited the band. But these days, what Joe and I do a lot of are these kind of storytelling and songs presentations. That's awesome. Where we kind of, talk, we, it's almost like, you know, Springsteen on Broadway, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. as good. <laughs> you know, we, 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 <laughs> we spend an hour of folks, we, we tell stories. Uh, we, we, and we play a couple of songs, uh, both from this newest record, as well as just stuff that specifically for that type of presentation. And it's just, uh, for us, it's a lot easier because we're old and we don't want to lug around gear. Now we just bring a, a couple of acoustic guitars. And then for the audience, they just get to experience something that's a very different side of this land. Sure. Like I, I would say it's still part of the band because our band's never really been like super traditional in how we approach things anyway. And this is just kind of a really fun way for people to um, learn about the history of the band 
and, and, you know, our journey to the Supreme Court and the fight for our name and music and all that other stuff, uh, but roll it into a really fun show. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get into the history of the band. And um, I, I w- I'd like to start off with the Supreme Court thing, because the one thing about, about this, you're the only band in the 1330 whatever episodes I've done that uh, <laughs> that's 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 won a Supreme Court case. Yeah. So, uh, anything in particular about it that you want to? Well, let's start with into? initially what was happening was uh, I noticed that there was I didn't write down the guy's name, but it was somebody versus you. Uh, that would be the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Okay, and and they were uh, Rosie. There was a there. Okay, go, go just start. Like your first of all, your name is offensive. <laughs> Like, like, like uh, NWA or I'm Cuban or if I had a band called the Spix or something. Yeah. So we yeah. want to reappropriate the slant and turn it into something positive and self-empowering. And sure. like a lot of, I mean, it's kind of a punk move to, to do. Sure. Um, the, the government disagreed with us and they, they said our name was offensive to Asian people and therefore we couldn't really use it in the full extent that we wanted to. Time, time out so just really that, quick. So they said that when you went to, to trademark the name. That's correct. Okay. Okay. So you basically like, they would have said nothing if you would have just been some punk band called the slants in, uh, in Portland. It wasn't until you, 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 you went to get become official that they were like, Hey, what is this? Yeah. And so they basically said it's uh, offensive. And they said uh, in particular that it was, inappropriate for an Asian band to use the name. So like it, if we had been uh, like an all white band, it would not have been an issue. Right. And so we decided to fight this thing. Uh, and eight years later, it, it took us before the Supreme court of the United States. And you won. And we won uh, unanimously. So <laughs> it took a minute, but uh, that, you know, for a very, very large portion of the life of the band, while we were touring and cutting records and doing all the stuff that a band's supposed to be doing, we were spending a lot of uh, a whole bunch of extra time and money and energy fighting this court case as well. So in um, many ways, for better or for worse, that ended up defining a large chunk of our band's story is this kind of fight for our name. That, you know, it's interesting because it seems like most of, uh, well, most of what I've seen of your band's story is, is a, uh, fighting for a bigger cause, even right down to the foundation and everything. Like it's, it's, you know, unfortunately <laughs> you're the band that has to do that, that fight. You know what I mean? But you're paving the way for other people because what ended up happening is uh, is that is that uh, the fed the, the court decided that the federal law prohibiting uh, trademark names that disparage others was un- unconstitutional because speech may not be uh, banned on the grounds that it expresses ideas that offend. So, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. Okay. And the thing is. Um, you know, when you, when you think about it, it's like who gets to define what's offensive. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was like, it was the government that had no connection to our community. So they didn't really take into consideration the fact that, um, you know, women, people of color, members of the LGBTQ community, like we've been reappropriating terms for since the very beginning. Correct. We've been using it as a way to like kind of punch up and say, Hey, like you don't get to define who I am. Only I get to do that. And so, Uh, we wanted to kind of raise this bigger awareness of like these issues that our communities and especially communities of color face. Like, Hey, you know, these laws that look good on their face when they're actually put into practice actually aren't always what you think they are. And so let's talk about like what's actually impacting our communities, what's actually hurting us and kind of rebuilding a system that is actually just. Yeah. And so, uh, did you did you go before the court physically? We were there in person, both uh, Joe, myself, and then two other guys were there. Uh, they didn't let us speak, uh, you know, which is the kind of ironic thing, right? <laughs> we're fighting for freedom of speech, and the only people in there can't actually speak. So uh, we were there, but our, our attorneys did all the talking and, and all the justices, of course. 
and you saw them and Ruth Bader Ginsburg said stuff about you. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She said that, um, she was basically calling out the ridiculousness of the government saying like, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows they're Asian. They're not using the word to disparage, but to describe and, and to remove the sting from the term. So right. it was super powerful. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So, uh, so tell me about how you started this Lance. Were you in, uh, were you always like a Portland person or are you from somewhere else? I grew up in Southern California okay. and I, I moved to Portland to join this punk band called the Stivs. And I was playing with them for a minute before I thought like, Hey, you know, what if I were to start an all Asian band, something that I would celebrate the diversity of the band, something that could speak to these stereotypes we oftentimes face. And so that's when the idea for the slants was kind of born. And, uh, that was like 2004. It took me a couple of years to actually get a lineup together but when we had everybody locked in in 2007, I mean, we just kicked it off within uh, three months of our first show. We already had an album out and we were on tour and it's just kind of been running ever since. That's awesome. Uh, were your uh, parents like, were, did they have hopes for you outside of punk rock music in Portland? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, they, they didn't want me to do music at all. I mean, in my whole life growing up, they wanted me to be uh, a doctor or a computer engineer or something like that. And so um, I broke their heart many, many times. And, and even starting this band, it, was, um, it wasn't it was something that they were thrilled about. But at the end of the day, I think they kind of knew that I was just who I was. Like, I, And I, I can't avoid that. And, you know, for me, music at, at its very core is a part of who I am. Right, right. I'm, uh, I'm Cuban, and my parents were born in Cuba, and then they came here in their early teens, but they, they, they became like Americanized teenagers pretty quick in the 60s. But my grandparents, there's always like this just kind of like, I, I, I'm a musician, and I've done it since I was, you know, 13 years old. And, uh, and I just remember sometimes the look on their faces, like when they get to that, like they try and come and see me play, and just the look on their face when they're walking in the place, just, it's all foreign to them, not just in an age difference, but in a cultural difference. That's so, like, harsh that you walk into this, like, smoky bar where, like, Chicks have tattoos and nose rings and they're serving you beer. You know what I mean? Did you yeah, guys both I have mean, that? Joe? Well, I, I don't know about Joe, but for myself, like the first time my parents came to one of my shows uh, with any of my other bands, it was, they were not pleased. I mean, they were just like, <laughs> this is, this is the life you're choosing. I will say when I did bring the band down uh, with the slants, it was a very different story. Um, they, my parents came out, they brought my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and they were dancing and having the, the best time. Like it was the first time where they're like, Hey, what you're doing here is different. It, it's special. And they, they fell in love with everybody in the band. I mean, my parents think of all the band members I've had over the years as, as family. That's they awesome. even call our longtime drummer, like their, their other son. Uh, so that, that, you know, we ended up being that big relationship and I don't know, uh, Joe's had a different upbringing than myself, but you can speak to that. Well, I'm sure I mean, my mom didn't want me to play music either. So like, it's not like that's that different. Obviously I am not smart enough to be a lawyer or a doctor. So she was also aware <laughs> of that. So, and my mom's an artist as well. So she was like, you know, do the art thing, but maybe learn to be like a teacher or something. Cause you're probably not going to succeed in the, 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 the crazy world of uh, competitive, you know, creative, passionate projects. But, um, my original, the, my, my other band in Eugene that I was playing in before I joined the slants, it was a little bit too heavy, I think for my mom to ever like go to a show. We were also kind of like, we're prog metal and a little crazy. <laughs> so it was, it was not the best environment for us. So she actually did see us at, um, black forest in Eugene when, uh, we were on tour that one year. And all I can remember was she was like criticizing the sound mix. She was like, I can't hear any of the vocals. So that's, that's my mom. She, she will give us constructive criticism about it. Um, and that mix was not good. The Black Forest mix was not very good. Yeah. But uh, I, I think she can appreciate the importance of what the slants were doing, yeah. uh, especially around that time with the court case. But overall, yeah, it's, it's tough for an immigrant parent, especially it, to, 
yeah. feel like their kids will play music instead of do something that's actually like a career driven world. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like not only are you doing this weird thing, but you're also like abandoning your culture and embracing this thing that they is so foreign to them. They can't get into it. You know, I just, I view that like eventually my grandparents, like I'd call them and they'd be listening. My records would be playing in the background and that was awesome. But when it first started, it freaked them out <laughs> and the whole thing freaked them out. Um, so uh, Joe, how did you get, how did you end up in the band? Like, how did you end up meeting Simon and like, it was around the time when they had a bit of turnovers in the, the band members. So um, the, the original lead singer had just left the band at the time and they replaced him with Kishima. And so when I heard about the band looking for, I think, a singer at the time and then a year later, a guitarist at the time, a friend of mine, Noel in Portland, was like, hey, Joe, you'd be perfect for this band because she knew I played music and I wrote and you know performed a little bit. So I went through this ridiculous audition process for uh, Simon, who runs his band like a business. I mean, the band is a business. I, honestly, like, the, the only reason the band is successful where, where it's gotten to where it's gotten to is because Simon treats it like a business, unlike any other band I've ever been in and most bands that I know. Nobody else treats their band that seriously, but Simon had this, like, multi-page application for a new musician. And, you know, <laughs> he had, had an application? Like, huh? Oh, it was a full application. It wasn't even just like, hey, what kind of music have you played with your resume on the music? No, it was like, what kind of food do you eat? Uh, have you done this, this, or this? And it was like, I, I remember spending like hours just filling this thing out. Um, it was not intended to take hours. It, I think I did it twice, too, because I auditioned originally for the lead singer thing, and then Simon totally like pulled it out on me because I had learned the songs, and then Simon was like, oh, you know what, we've gone with this guy. And this was like months after I had already done the application I had set up an audition for it. And then like when the guitar thing came back, I was like, I'm not going to do this. But it was an opportunity because, again, like I said, none of my other bands have ever had really we've never really made it out of like Oregon or right, at right. most the West coast. Right. Like we might play up in Seattle or something. That's about it. This is the first band where I was like, Hey, they're looking for someone that fits me perfectly. And also they tour, not just, you know, the regional tours, they, they actually do national tours. Right. So I, I really wanted a role. I, I, and so I applied, eventually got the gig and, uh, yeah, started playing with this land. Is, uh, did you, I, 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 I want to see part of, I'm going, sorry, as a musician and a band leader myself, all I'm thinking is like, oh, that, at first I thought the application is crazy. And then I'm like, shit, I could have saved myself so much like van anxiety when I'm sitting next to some dude I can't stand. If I would have had him just fill out an application <laughs> before think, he came I mean, out. The, so there's another the side of this. There's another side of this where I like I wanted to study this band because I was kind of working on a documentary a little bit about the, the story of the band a little bit. So I really am curious about the construction of this band, but the idea of it being so like meticulously planned, even though the band's very punk rock and there's very much like a combustible energy of like, let's just go out and tour. We, we may not even have an album yet, but let's go out and do this thing. So there's like an impulsiveness to it. Right. But because it comes from a place of like Simon knowing how to like run a band as like a manager, right? He's the manager of the band as well as being in the band. It's really interesting. And yeah, like you said, you, you could have bands that maybe should have done a little more research, but there are bands where you're friends. You can have friends that you're in a band, but if you have the ability to like see it as a business, yeah, yeah. You would not let the friendship get in the way of the success of the band, which is what usually happens in a Correct. lot of bands. But we also just didn't know enough people to like throw this thing together with a bunch of friends, you know. And at at the point where when Joe, Joe was joining, I mean, this is after like a decade of the band being around. We were already pretty active in terms of touring and and like all the things that we were doing. So we wanted to make sure that whoever's coming in could get along with with the existing band members. And so that's why we ask things like, you know, kind of seemingly dumb questions like dietary restrictions, because it's like, Hey, is it going to be easy to tour with this person yeah. or not? Or do they have a different lifestyle or uh, do are they going to have a family life or spousal support or whatever that's going to uh, either help us and 
and like the like that, that supportive environment, or are they in relationships that maybe are less helpful? And so we wanted to just put all cards on the table. And same thing when we met with folks, just like, well, this is how it is. You can meet our spouses. You can do this sort of thing, and at least do our very best. Now, the application doesn't always cover all those things. Just like if someone's applying for a job or like a, a resume isn't always perfect, but we try and make the uh, try and increase the odds that. It, it would be a successful relationship. I mean, that's why the band, I mean, did technically retire like by 20, end of 2018. Cause yeah, even with all that planning ahead, like we still ran into those same issues, but again, because we see it that way, rather than letting it like weigh us down with like, Oh, we're there. My, our friends, we're just going to not accomplish anything because we, we can't say no to that person or whatever. Right. Like, I think, that's the main thing is like any job is like you don't let the, the bad applicant or any issues with the applicant weigh the job down. If you want the job to be successful, if you want the business to be successful. So again, I think the mentality that Simon brought to this is, is eye opening because yeah. that's the part that i never thought about. What were you looking for Simon? Like in a person? I think more than anything else, we wanted to make sure it would be a good fit in terms yeah. like values and, and, and the men- mentality. Like skills can be learned. The yeah. Songs can be learned. They 100%. can be improved on. Yeah. And, and we might or might not have the best players all the time. Yeah. But we wanted the best people at their core. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, our, our band is never known for being like the tight band. Uh, maybe at the very end of a tour, we, we actually play together a whole bunch every single day we'll get tighter, but there's always a bit of looseness and, and chaos on stage that I think is maybe part of the charm of the band. But at the end of the day, it's also because of the hearts of the people that are like performing. Uh, I, you know, it, it's funny to me, like we just did these shows in Portland and Seattle and LA and folks were coming up saying like, Oh, this is like one of the best shows we've been to and all this. And I'm in my head, I'm like, man, that was <laughs> really loose shows. There's a lot of mistakes. Uh, but they're like, they love the presence. And, and when they started sharing, like longtime fans have been around 10, 15 years, every story they shared with me, it was like how they really connected with the band members as people. And you're not going to do that with like a perfectly played record and, and, and a person who doesn't want to like spend time with their fans or, or the people there. Like for us, we played at anime conventions. So sometimes we'd be spending three, four days in a row all day, all night with, with our fans hanging out at booths or panels or things like that. And so you really build these special types of relationships. Yeah. And not everybody wants to do that. Not every band member wants to do that. Some people would just want to like show up, play, and get out of there as soon as quick as possible. But we needed people who could hang out and spend time with the, the kids on the ground and, and say like, look, we, you know, we're more than just a band We're we're like, uh, sure. We play music, but we also build partnerships. We work with community organizations. We lift up these causes. And when these kids need someone to talk to like, and we're the ones that are around, we're there to listen. Right. One of the one of the guest musicians in the LA show was uh, my buddy Jeff, who was who is in my Eugene band and played prog rock back in the day when we were freaking people out with our weird music. <laughs> and he and I both share the same personality, which is when we're playing our and in our other band when we're on stage, we're staring at our instruments and just going like, "We got to play these parts right, right." Like you're doing like time signature changes and weird things. We're like, "Don't suck, don't suck." And a lot of times you're just so insular like in playing like you're just on stage staring at your feet playing your music and the one thing that he like really enjoys when he plays with the slant even though when we go into it we're like oh my god we're gonna there's gonna be mistakes and we're gonna hate ourselves afterwards but once you're on stage with something like the slants which is like chaos right people are running around stage the singer swinging his mic and breaking the cable and the, the mic dive bombs and breaks my guitar neck it like the energy of it is so good that you kind of forget for a moment, at least that it's <laughs> the mute, the, the, the seriousness of music is really like not that important at certain points. It's about having fun on stage and really playing for the audience, but it really takes a band like this lands for us to be in and experience. Because again, once I go back to Eugene and play on our weird prog music, like we're going to go back to that habit of, worrying about how well we can play the music rather than performing for the audience. Yeah. 
And so like, it just has to be reminded and maybe burned into our memories a little bit, hopefully a little bit. What's your, what's your weird prog band called? <laughs> uh, right now it's called Filthy Rich and the Gold Diggers, which is, we, we moved away from the prog metal because we realized people didn't want prog metal blasted <laughs> in their ears like for like an hour. So we started adding more like funk and like R&B music into it. But then the tendencies of making it proggy came back once we started like writing those songs. And now every song has to play in order and like there's all these transitions. Um, but it's so like nerve wracking to play one of those. Like it's just, it's just hard to like get on stage and be like, we have to do it right. Yeah. And, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's that band. And then this band, Jeff just had the best time in LA, like having a blast and, and, you know, like getting the full LA experience through the plants. There's something about that. Like, I mean, maybe I don't, maybe you guys got into it for the same reason that I did, but one of them, obviously I was 13, so it was chicks, but also the freedom, like freedom, like, uh, like I have a hard time, uh, doing things where you play to tracks live because that's not at all what I got into this for. I didn't get into this for some computer to tell me what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm doing this because I got into it for freedom. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? Like expression, freedom of expression, freedom to go around places where your other friends that have jobs and stuff have to stay, you know, in a city all the, you know what I mean? Like just the freedom of the whole thing. That's weird about the plans though, because you guys, we do play to tracks, but when playing with the original lineup of the band, regardless of whether it's the track, there's a freedom on stage. Right. right? Like you can actually let it just carry the, the music and then just go and have fun. Sure. I think other band, there's no tracks, but like literally we're just so focused on like getting it right. We well, the expression fun. part is also like a lot of it, who we are on stage is very different than who we are in person. Like I'm much more quiet and reserved yes, and, you are. and person. <laughs> and <clears throat> it was like almost, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And almost everybody in, in, in the slants was the same thing. Like uh, is generally like pretty chill and quiet on stage. We like, push each other around. We really, it's like a different side of us comes out uh, specifically just for the show. And, and I think that's part of the fun too. It's something very freeing and uh, like a cathartic release when we get to hit the stage. Yeah. So what, what, what happens now? Like, are you got, you're going to continue with the foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we got a great board of directors, folks we've been working with and uh, who've been volunteering and helping us, kind of lead this organization. So we're still going to continue to do that. And in fact, we're about to launch like this new program um, where we're going to be funding and mentoring artists for nearly a year and then um, interviewing them for our television series. And then Joe and I are going to continue with our kind of creative collaborations, both touring the country, uh, telling our story and playing some songs. But, um, you know, we're also working on a musical theater show that's going live next fall. Is that, uh, and is that slanted I imagine, an American rock opera? No? no, that that was an opera that we okay. did for the Opera Theater St. Louis okay. Uh, okay. this past March. This this other one is um, it's basically the a story of the band as a as a band, okay. and, and so we're going to be doing that. And then um, I don't know. Sometimes we just get asked to do the most random things, like we we help score like a a short film this year, and um, so it's like sure, why not? off-white oh nice i can't decide it's just slightly heavier than my other one so i can't decide which one i'm gonna end up using. what is that like it's actually a squire oh nice squire, uh it's i bought it because i wanted a white guitar well actually i bought it because i literally this happened at the last show where the singers mike flew into my guitar and broke <laughs> the neck so i was like i needed a backup guitar for some shows i'm actually gonna play this at a memorial this weekend but then i was like i needed a white guitar for this music video idea and now I have two guitars that have the same body, one neck, although the other neck I'm going to probably repair. This one's just slightly heavier. It's just a pound. The paint. Tellies are heavy, man. Well, Tellies can get heavy, and this is a pine. Like, yeah. these squires are amazing guitars, but they're pine, so they can go from, like, seven pounds to ten pounds. <laughs> the, the particular cut of the wood. Yeah, so. Try playing bass. Oh no! Every I, I yeah. went online. People were like, "Why are people complaining?" Bases start at ten pounds, and people are complaining about like a ten pound Les Paul. Just like, I'm a baby. I can't. Look how skinny I am. 
I know the feeling. <laughs> That's a nice sound. Good on the- it sounds even on the acoustic stuff. Like even just acoustically, oh my God. it sounds good. Look, I would love to have like nice guitars like Simon behind him, but Simon's I love got a lot of nice stuff. Oh, he's got a real collection there. Like, and I love some of those guitars, but I would take the Squire. And he has a Squire in the back too. I would take the Squire over any guitar right now. Like, this is my favorite. This particular one, too, the the classic vibes. Yeah, I've got a favorite Tilly. It's a uh, it's kind of a Frankenstein guy that I've had for three sure. years. That has three. You got pickups. a Nashville. Got a Nashville with uh, what is that? The uh, carbon. Wait. But this one? What's the, what's the topic up? The topic up, yeah. It's a P90. Oh, it's a P90 with a cover? Yep. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that's a luthier here in town that I've been friends with him since we were 10 years old. And then he became a guitar guy. Yeah. And he's just been taking care of my stuff for like 25 years. He actually built me a guitar, but it's across the room. Um have you seen the Jack White, the Jack White t- tellies that he's been customizing? They look amazing. They kind of no. have a, he does like a P90, a humbucker and a, a single coil, like a uh, lace, I think in the back. And it's, it's crazy. He goes crazy with the mods. That's insane. <laughs> um, all right. So people will still be able to find you guys at the slants.com, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got our, uh, all the information about our shows, records. It's uh serves as also a place where people can learn about each of the band members as well, follow their stories and what, what they're up to these days. Yeah, man. Um, I, I would love to go to this thing in Dallas. I don't know what my situation will be on Thursday, February 1st yet though, but I, are you guys, are you planning on doing more of that? Are you thinking of bringing it to Austin at all? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> um, we, I'm not sure if Austin's on the books yet, but we do find ourselves in Texas like a whole lot. <laughs> so it, it's very well possible. Uh, but if you're interested in going to the Dallas thing, like please let me know. And, and you oh, know, thanks. we'd love to connect. Thank you very much. It wasn't even a, a, a veiled, uh, <laughs> a veiled ask for to be on the list, but thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a university gig. So, uh, but you know, we'd love to make plans and, uh, if, if for some reason we do end up, um, in that Boston, we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, that would be great. Have you guys played South by Southwest? Probably, right? Yeah, we did it a couple of times over the years. I think the last was, I spoke okay. there in 2019. Okay. Um, and, and then we, we did like a super, super early version of like storytelling and songs there, but it was like very, very crude and uh, like just, we were starting to like imagine what that would look like around that time period. You, so that was our last South by. Do you guys have some kind of script or something that you've uh, like, not a script, but like, do you have, have you, you have an outline that you follow when you do the stories and songs and. Yeah. Yeah. We have like, basically I have like a set list of songs and then we kind of work from story to song to story and so on. Yeah. yeah, these are really, um, Simon's sort of speaking engagements have evolved quite a bit over the last, like, since I've been in the band and he's been speaking since before I joined the band, but the version that we are doing right now, it, it comes from like a like a musical theater production setup. So like we've had a full script that Simon has, you know, going through and then the music is even like scripted in and there's interactions too. And we're trying to create that performance energy, right? Like by, by some of the rules, but then also maybe a little bit of improv, a little bit of... sure. Yeah, we want to make it fun and make it feel personal. Uh, but at the same time, we want to, you know, we usually have pretty hard start and stop times at these events. Sure. And so we want to make sure it fits in all, all together neatly for them. Well, so you want to have a beginning and a middle and an end when people pay to go yeah, see yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We have people take our, we, there's, there's still like Simon's like study, like comedy writing, like fan of acts, and then also just, you know, speeches and such. And yeah. I definitely, I'm in the, the video film world too. So I'm like, I really appreciate a good script and a good developing story, like an arc. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what we try to have. And even for all of our projects, the opera, the two musical theater things that we were working on, we're approaching it. Like, like it's a real, real piece of art that we're trying to create. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Um, well, it's been great meeting you guys and uh, people can find you guys at the slants.com. The, the record is the band plays on. It's also available on vinyl 
And uh, people should follow you guys. Come out and see what you're doing next. I definitely will. Sure. Yeah. We're always up to something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at the very least, you know, uh, we always tell people um, to check out the, the nonprofit that we're working on and yes. all the artists that appeared on our album who are probably far more talented than any of us have ever been in this land. Like check out their individual works and catalogs too. I mean, one of my great joys of this uh, record was being able to like fully immerse myself in the work that all these artists were doing. I mean, I'm just blown away. And the fact that we got to share the stage with them and, and see their work uh, live and, and happening, it was was super incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, tell Bao and uh, Johnny Hi-Fi when you talk to them that I said (laughs) hi. If they remember well, me, definitely will but I really, I, yeah. I really enjoyed my conversation with Bow, and I've been keeping up with him ever since. And and I'm really glad that you guys are uh, were able to work together on this. He's got a new album coming out soon too, so oh, he does? keep an eye out for that. Oh, yeah, you know he's what? got some amazing music. Yeah, do it, yeah, yeah. He's a really talented dude. Um, well, Joe and Simon, it was really great meeting you guys and uh, showing each other guitars. And congratulations okay, on all this work. People can follow you guys at the slants. Also, you can find the slants foundation there. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll talk more about it in the intro and outro, but really great meeting you guys. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Good talking to you. Thank you. Cheers. All right. Take care. That was Simon, Tam and Joe. From the band The Slants, their new album, uh, their final album, actually. The band plays on, is available now wherever it is you stream and download music, also on vinyl. All right, go to theslants.com for all of your slants needs. They're out there. Also, check out the Slants Foundation, the nonprofit dedicated to changing culture using arts and activism, working to amplify underrepresented voices, especially those in in the Asian American community. And you can see them if you live in Dallas at the University of Texas at Dallas on Thursday, February 1st. You can see Slanted Stories and Songs with Simon Tam and The Slants. Great, great conversation with those dudes. Thanks for doing the show. And hey, gang, when you're out there checking out theslants.com, don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you find podcasts, be it uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, tune in anywhere, man. Ask your Google, ask your Alexa to play How Did I Get Here, the latest episode. They'll do it. They do what you say, man. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week, whatever it is you're doing, man. Happy holidays. Live it up. Let's get down. She takes my hand and says it's worth
The light grew brighter, we soared higher than I could have ever dreamed. She was the first to speak in a voice of mine. And one by one we joined in harmony, a soundscape of what we achieved. Our wills what defines us, our failures remind us, this bow is a calling loud and clear. Our songs and our stories, our memoir of glory, the future is here.